So great to be with you once again on the Marketplace. I must admit, when we woke up this morning, we weren't scheduling a Marketplace for Friday, but there's been so much going on. So fantastic to have you with us. And when I talk about waking up early this morning, no one would have woken up earlier than Olgan Ulrich from ESPN, who is Australia's number one newsbreaker when it comes to basketball, because he went whack, 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 all before 9am this morning. Olgan, you've been a busy boy. Yeah, I have to be. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot going on. We're, we're in day two of free agency, and so that means all of the negotiations that came to a head maybe at the end of yesterday, maybe early this morning, those contracts can like get into the NBL, they can be agreed on, the negotiations can finish. Uh, and yeah, we've had, I want to say, four deals up until this point, and we're about 24, 30 hours in. Well, we thought it was time to bring back Derek Rucker, the 1990 MVP. When we did our first episode of The Marketplace, had some really strong thoughts and some great analysis that got people talking. Ruck, it's time to bring you back in. Welcome. Hey, I'm happy to be back. I love the first episode, and uh, so much has happened since then. Olgan, way to bring the heat early in the morning. I've actually added to you to my Twitter notifications alert, so uh, congratulations to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Rock. Thank you. That's how you know you've made it, Olgan. Let's start with the Brisbane <laughs> Bullets. And, Rock, I know that you'll have some really strong thoughts on the Brisbane Bullets. Two signings today. Firstly, Isaac White. Take us through that as he leaves the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, as does Sam McDaniel, who, be, who will be a Bullet next season under Justin Shuler. Isaac White, I love him as a player. I love his spunk. I love his shooting ability, his offensive creativity, and his work ethic. I, walk, I watched him very closely during his time at Stanford and really admired the way he went about his business. My only concern is, is he ready to be a 28-game productive player? Now, that's going to require a lift in his, in his consistency. He's going to have to be a really reliable shooter, and he'll have to defend regularly against high-powered guards. I think he's capable of it. He just hasn't proven it yet. So I'm, we're going to be watching him very closely. Sam McDaniel, obviously... I'm, I'm partial to anybody whose dad has played in the NBA and who has been a former uh, frenemy of mine. His dad, Wayne's a great individual. Sam, from all, from all uh, recommendations, is uh, really outstanding as well. So he provides outside shooting. The query on him is going to be health. Can he stay healthy over the duration of a season? If he can, he could probably be a suitable replacement for Tanner Krebs, and obviously Isaac White looks like he's a replacement for Jason Kadee. Olgan, there was a lot of interest in Isaac White. You reported this last week. Mm. Yeah, that's right. I, I look at a team like Melbourne United, who really had an interest in him. The Jack Jumpers did want him back to put him in a roster spot. Uh, I'm told the Sydney Kings showed some early interest, but the Brisbane Bullets came forward with uh, you know, an opportunity for him. It was a spot where he can come in and, and make an impact um, over his first three seasons in the NBL, you know, he's been part of winning programs and he's had, you know, spot minutes, patchy minutes in rotations in those winning programs. And every time he's had the opportunity to perform, he's been able to produce. And so he now gets the opportunity to do that on a more consistent basis. Um, you know, the hope is that he can be a 15, 20 minute guy. Um, or even more than that. And over this past season, he's shown that he can do that more consistently. He was a 48% three-point shooter. Uh, he did it on both ends. He was great in transition. And so you have someone coming in who's a good culture guy, a good teammate, be part of winning programs. It's probably a good step, a good first step for this Bullets team that probably needs a revamp in those areas. 
Ruck, let's finish off on the bullets in that case. They have Nathan Sobey locked away. They have Aaron Baines locked away. Now Isaac White, Sam McDaniel, Tyrell Harrison coming back for the next two years as well. Next stop will no doubt be their imports. What sort of players should they be looking at? Well, before I even hit on that, Jack, let me just say that Nathan Sobey and Aaron Baines must have good health this year for this team to contend uh, for a play in position. And on the back of their good health, along with Tyrell Harrison, like if they can get those three guys out on the court for 85% of the time, they'll be in decent shape. But these import spots, Olgan, they must hit. If Rajon Tucker isn't going to be picked up by Melbourne United, which I can't see as a possibility given how the dollars are going to crunch, they've got to go after Rajon Tucker. He's too exciting. He's athletic. He's an offensive weapon. If I were Brisbane, I'd be contacting him as soon as I got a snip that he wouldn't be returning to Melbourne United and offer him a two-year deal fully guaranteed. Some people want a point guard, but I think I would make that a priority first and see what falls out. If I can get a cheap point guard, great. If I can get an athletic four-man to go with Tucker at the three, great as well. So I think getting Tucker gives you a little bit of versatility in who you sign as a second import. I think the issue there, Rock, I think is the money that Brisbane yeah. has. We have to understand that the money that's locked into Nathan Sobey and to Aaron Baines, that really handcuffs this team when it comes to bringing in high-quality imports. And so Rajon Tucker, after you know the back end of his season, he'd be demanding a, a decent amount of coin. And so mm. where do you want to commit that the next big chunk of money? They probably only have one big chunk of money to spend. Do you spend that on a Rajon Tucker, who is relatively proven in the NBL and I think could be really, really good in his second season? Or do you do it on a point guard? We know that Nathan Sobey probably needs a point guard next to him to be effective. And again, we mentioned this on the first episode of, Mar- of the Marketplace that we've been calling for this for so long. Do you, what, what would happen if you don't commit that money to a really high quality point guard and then you have another losing season? It, it's the sort of thing it almost feels like the Bullets have to do is, is to focus on that point guard position. While we're on the subject of Rajon Tucker, let's move to Melbourne United, announcing today that Ariel Hook-Porty, who didn't play at all in NBL 23 due to an Achilles injury, will be back and will be a next star, Olgan. That's right. Uh, Hook-Porty missed all of last season. I was I was there at the Blitz in Darwin when he, when he tore his Achilles, and it was very, very sad scenes. And um, the good thing, I guess, was that he stuck around that team. He was around, you know, that playing group. He was around Melbourne United. Um and, you know, Nexstar's deals are uh, quite flexible. And so, you know, there was an option for him to return and that option has been picked up. Um, and I think he, he, what he adds to a front court is something that you have to prepare for as an opposition. You know, he came off the bench in 15 minutes a game. He averaged seven and five, which is really, really solid. If Shaili comes back healthy, which I'm, I'm assuming and I'm hoping he does, then you have, you know, a partner with him as a vertical lob threat who just just makes it makes it really tough for other teams to defend and if they can get another quality quality big to shore up that that front court which i'm under the impression that they they, they, they will uh then again that's a really really tough thing for other teams to go up against what do you think rock well i love reporting um the year that he played i was able to work some games and watch him closely i love the fact that he's able to be coached hard and if you're going to play under dean vickerman you better expect that and be able to withstand it because we know that he's a truth teller and he brings the heat if you're not performing. And I like the character from what I was able to witness with him. Um, and again, he provides, if he, he's coming back, he's gonna provide something that's very unique in this league with size, athleticism. And I'm sure, Olgan, that his skill set would have 
improved over the time that he's had off. I'm sure he's had time to do a lot of handling drills and so forth. And sometimes that timeout can be beneficial if used properly. Melbourne United are going to be very tough. There's no way I'm picking them out of the top four this season. Dean Vickram is not missing two years in a row. That's the way it appears. And as you say, Olgan, there, there's a lot of speculation that there is more to come with Melbourne United. We said on the first episode of the Marketplace, they've been strangely quiet. I think now we know why, because they've been up to a lot of plotting and scheming while everyone else was doing the talking. Melbourne United, it appears, have been doing a lot of the negotiation. Yeah, that's right. You know, they, they are looking at some high-level Australians to bring in. Uh, and that's while all the while they're filling up their roster with really quality uh, local options too. You know, we mentioned Tanner Krebs in that in that first episode as someone they're really interested in. That's that's a deal that I expect might get done in the next few days. And, and I reported last night that Flynn Cameron um, mm. was signing that three-year deal. You know, he's someone who wants to play for Dean Vickerman. He wants to play with and alongside Chris Golding and, and next to Shea Ely. And so they're. As much as they had this losing season, and it was a, a real struggle throughout the season, especially with the injuries that they went through, they're still Melbourne United. They're still a Dean Vickerman team, and there is still some cachet to that team that drags people in. And so I agree with Ruck. I don't see them missing the, the playoffs two years in a row. You reported this morning, Olgan, that Lachlan Olbrich is a really exciting young talent. We have seen just a small sample of him here in the Hungry Jacks NBL uh, with the Adelaide 36ers. We'll be with Illawarra. Now, they have invested a lot of faith and a lot of years in this young man. Yeah, that's right. It's a three-year deal for Lachlan Olbrich. Um, Illawarra fans might know him because when the Illawarra Hawks played UC Riverside in a preseason game last season, or well, in NBL 23, Lachie Olbrich dropped a double-double on them right, against Sam Froling. And so they had a front-row seat at what this kid can do. Had a really solid season at UC Riverside. Uh, and, you know, he is a freshman. He's 19, and so he is young. But he's someone who a lot of teams had interested in. He was there was there were roster spots all around the league for him. Adelaide was really interested, and they thought they were going to get their hometown kid. Illawarra, I'm told, um, gave a really good pitch as far as the the opportunity he'll get, as far as the minutes he'll get, and the development. I was told that that Albrich and Jacob Jacomis, the head coach at the Illawarra Hawks, hit it off in that recruiting process, and so. He's someone to look forward to. You know, we saw Sam Froling and his development over, you know, his first few years in Illawarra, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if Oldbridge follows a similar pathway. So, Ruck, you think about an Illawarra perspective now. They've got Tyler Harvey signed, Justin Robinson signed, Sam Froling already under contract, plus Wani Swaka Labulik, Will Hickey. You add Lachlan Oldbridge into this as well. This roster is starting to come together with room for imports. Yeah, actually, it's, you know, from from the time we did this first marketplace, um, it looks like they've made some pretty wise choices. And I think they're hoping um, that the young fella can provide, if he can give them 75% of what Sam Wardenberg did up at New, up at uh, Cairns, that will be a big win for them. And with, then with Sam Froling, we would expect a bump up in productivity and efficiency from Sam going into this season. Now, we know Robinson's going to be able to provide you. Harvey should be able to play good minutes. I think they're going to be a tough out, similar to how Cans are at home. I think it's going to be tough going down there and getting a win. Jacob should be a much better coach this season. He should have learned a lot. It's his first year from, you know, out under the wing of Brian Gorgian. And I'm sure sometimes him just finding his own decision-making process was probably a bit difficult, but he should be better for everything. And if they get this, if they get the final piece right, 
you know, they could be right in the hunt for that, that last play-in spot, I would think, guys. But, you know, ultimately, let's not get carried away. It's going to be very, very difficult, and their margin for error will be very slim. It's been a challenging 24 hours for the Perth Wildcats. No question about that. They've lost their homegrown boy, Luke Travers, who, who looks to be headed to, to Melbourne as the front runner, as you reported yesterday, Olgan Illawarra. Still in the hunt for that one as well, as, as I say, as you reported. Do you have any good news for the Red Army right now? Because uh, I think they need a little bit of a boost. They've got the Wildcats ball on Saturday night. I'm sure they'd love something from a positive nature to take with them to the ball. Yeah, the little bit I have is that they're in talks with David Aquera to potentially join them. Aquera has interest from, you know, the Wildcats. The Sydney Kings have shown some interest as well. But, you know, he's from WA. Uh, I'm under the impression they like him a lot and, you know, they have a, a really good developmental plan for him if, if he joins them. And so that's a name that it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up there. Th- those negotiations are currently happening um, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if, they, if that gets done at some point. Ruck, what about the Wildcats? What, what do they need? If we try and jump ahead and, and get into their minds a little bit, let's play out the scenario here that they find a new home for Todd Blanchfield and Mitch Norton. They haven't made a decision yet on Tashawn Thomas or, or Brady Manning. Corey Webster, Olgan, we believe, is getting closer to re-signing. Is that correct? Very close. It's just the, the smallest details. I fully expect that to get done. And Ty's option wasn't taken up. How do you think that plays out? Uh, there is still interest from him from some teams in the league. I mentioned Adelaide, and there is still interest there. Um, there's also obviously interest from Europe as well. It's where he was before he joined the Wildcats in the middle of last season. Uh, but the, all the talk I'm hearing is that it is positive, and I know I said that about Luke Travers, but this one, it feels closer than, than some other deals. So, so it wouldn't surprise me if that's a deal that gets done next for Perth. So, Ruck, let's, let's assume that Ty Webster is back next season. What do they do from here, the Perth Wildcats? Who should they be looking at and what type of player? Well, they're very lucky they have number 11, all right? Because he's going to solve a lot of problems, especially in crunch time. But you've really got to start planning for the future. Bryce isn't going to be this version of Bryce for the next seven years. I mean, you've got to be realistic. I think Luke, losing Luke Travers is a big loss. I have a feeling there was some personal stuff going. I don't know what it is. Maybe Olga knows more about that, but it just felt it felt uneasy to me. I just didn't feel like he was he was happy with what was going on when I was watching closely in the play in the play in situation last year. But he's gone and he's someone they value they desperately needed to keep. So now I think you've got to keep Blanchfield. I, I don't think you can afford to lose him unless you get somebody else who you like coming in there. I can't come back with Tayshawn Thomas, and I'm probably not coming back with Brady Manick. I've got to go out. I've got to get stronger, tougher, more athletic. I've got to be stronger on the glass. You know, one of the things that Perth has always been really good with is their offensive rebounding. I thought they lacked that last season. Obviously, their defense went downhill. But I think John really did a good job of willing his team to where they got to. Mitch Norton is a tough one too. Is there a landing spot? I mean, it's easy to say we're gonna work something out, but Mitch has to find somewhere else to go. I don't know where Mitch could go. Could he go to a, a Cans? Who has money to pay maybe the balance of whatever's worked out in a buyout? There is a lot of work to be done at Perth. It's probably a bit messier than the Red Army is used to in previous off seasons, but you know, change of ownership, change of direction, change of operating uh, procedures. 
So uh, let me hit on those things. I'll go in reverse. Uh, Mitch Norton, there is interest in him from around the league. Uh, he's he's an easy one to bring on. You sort of he's still relatively demonstrated, um, and we saw toward the end of the season as well. You know there is value for him. Um, you know think of what he did as far as in that that playing game. You know getting Bryce Cotton the ball. He has a ton of value on both ends of the floor. So the the desire is still for him to find a new home, and there is interest out there. Um, Blanchfield, the, it's it's being it's it's a bit tougher to find a new home for him because that's a two year deal that you're working with with regard to that buyout. Um, and it doesn't seem that teams are as interested in Blanchfield as they are in Norton. Uh, when it comes to what they're trying to do, and, and you know, like the, the fact that basically their entire bench is now depleted, um, you know, I look at what Brisbane is doing, and that's sort of, I think, the mold that they should follow, which is try to lock in a sustainable, healthy local core uh, that can be there for multiple years. You know, that's why Brisbane's locking in guys for under two-year deals because that's how cre- you create a sustainable franchise. Look at the Sydney Kings. They they brought their entire bench back and, and it was by design. Chris Pongras, you know, negotiated those contracts by design so they can all come back and they've had that same local core for a good amount of time. So I think Perth needs to focus on that. And then if you're bringing in those three guards back, if it's, if it's Webster, Webster and Cotton, then I think you need to find some sort of defensive identity. We've seen in this league that you can't make the playoffs unless you're a top four or five defensive team. This past season, the top four defensive teams were the top four teams in the league. And so if you're not focusing on that, and if, if that's not something you're striving for as part of your identity, then you can't succeed in the NBL. And so as far as, you know, filling the rest of these positions and the import spots at the three, four and five, potentially, you know, you have to make defense the focus. Can you repair the relationship with Todd Blanchfield and Mitch Norton, Ruck, if you're the Perth Wildcats, or has the ship sailed? That's a tough one right there, and it's hard without being up close and seeing how those guys interact. I know really is quite businesslike in the way the way he handles things, but you know, all those guys are, are Queenslanders, and I think there's a way that they could navigate through it. Um, I think Todd is probably the more easygoing of that trio, and I think he probably sees his prospects as being brighter with the Wildcats. So I would be, I would think the probability of a, of a successful reversal of, reversal of fortune would be greatest with Todd Blanchfield, and I think he probably provides them with something that they need more at the moment. Seeing how that you know, they've gone, they're going with those three offensive minded guards and on the defensive side, I think they're going to have to shift their focus to just being able to get critical stops. Olgan, can you get timely stops? Yep. We may give up, you know, our, our defensive rating may not be great over the course of 40 minutes, but can we get stops when it really matters, whether it's the second quarter, the fourth quarter, end of quarters, if you understand what I mean. Wow. What a first big first couple of days it's been. Have we missed anyone along the way, Ruck? Is there anything that's coming across your desk right now? Well, I would, I'd just like to say something overall. There are certain teams that have, have, have established their identity. You know, Cairns have done a good job under Adam Ford of establishing what they're about. We know the fantastic job that the Tasmania Jack Jumpers have done under Scott Roth. Okay, so... How much drop-off do we really think is going to occur with those franchises, no matter who they have? I'd say minimal. So people like Pender may leave cans, but I think 40 has invested in that team enough. They understand what they need to do to win games. They play in a tough environment for visiting teams. You know, when you're trying to come up the ladder, you got to take people down with you. And, like, if you look at those maybe being the two least talented teams, 
they're still really hard to knock down, Olgan. Yeah, the, the, the Taipans, I see them as similar from a culture perspective, as you say, uh, I, but I think talent still matters a lot. And I think the Taipans are just in a part of their processes where it's very tough to get, you know, that, that quality proven high level talent right now. It might be something that they, you know, invest in and develop over the next few years and maybe in two or three years, they're going to be back as, you know, a top two or three team again. But I think that's really tough to overcome when you're sort of restarting and retooling as a franchise. Jack Jumpers, I think, are slightly different very quickly. Uh, they have a lot of their guys locked in. They still have Magne locked in, Jack McVeigh. Uh, yeah. Sean McDonald re-signed. Uh, Clint Steindl's coming back. I'm under the impression that Milton Doyle is very close to, to returning, and they have a chunk of money for a point guard. And so I still think that with the defensive identity that Scott Roth has created and the culture in that franchise, adding adding one more really quality piece, I think they're probably a playoff team again. What have you heard about Josh Majette, Olga? That was the one piece where, you know, I really like Josh as a player. He's obviously a really good guy. He's done a great job, and you can't blame him because he wins, but perhaps they need to upgrade that position. That's more than likely what they're doing. Majet is under the impression that he's not going back to Tasmania. He does mm-hmm. have a desire to stay in the NBL, mm-hmm. and so there are talks with some NBL teams about him, uh, but as of now, the Jack Jumpers are in fact looking to upgrade from Majet and bring in some, someone a little bit more high level, I should say a bit more expensive than, than Josh Majet. Jack, when does the season start? Let's get back into it. <laughs> no, and it can't start yet. We've got too many spots to fill on the roster for too many teams, which means that we've got a lot to talk about in the next few weeks. No, no question about that. Ruck, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, and we'll chat to you again really soon. Thank you, guys. Always good to be here with you. Olgan, get some sleep. You've been up early dropping bombs. You need to go to bed. Nah, nah. I'm staying up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us on the Marketplace. It's been a massive first couple of days, no doubt about that. We will keep you across everything as it lands. Some big names still without contracts for next season as yet. Keanu Pinder, Will McDowell-White, Isaac Humphreys, Rajon Tucker, just to name a few. So there's still a lot that needs to happen, and we'll keep you up to date here on the Marketplace. Have a great weekend. We'll chat to you soon.